And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, probably one of the last songs ever to come out of The Manipulators. The name of the track, Cry Real Tears, a cover of... The Gizmos. And the reason I mention that is tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Manipulators are playing their very last gig ever tonight at the Biltmore, opening up for the Pack AD. Thank you, Manipulators, for all the great tunes you've given me and also all the guests you've shoved my way. King Kong and Barbecue Show. Dead Moon, Pierced Arrows, all the different bands that I've interviewed that you've brought to town. We're really going to miss you, Manipulators. So please, if you're out there, Manipulator fans, and we know you're out there tonight, the Biltmore, get there early. The Manipulators from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada are playing their last gig tonight at the Biltmore, opening up for the Pack. A-D. And you just heard, as I mentioned there, a cover of The Gizmos Cry Real Tears by The Manipulators. Today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Alex Burroughs of the Vancouver Canucks and Michael Scholar and Rachel from the stage production of Hardcore Logo... The play, which is happening right now and running till February 16th in Vancouver at the Rickshaw Theatre. Hardcore Logo Live. Interviews with them. And we're going to find out all about the stuff they've been up to. Today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, as I mentioned... Alex Burroughs to ease us into Hardcore Logo. And to ease us into Alex Burroughs, a player from the Vancouver Canucks hockey team, I thought I would play a track by Dion and the Pucktones. Yes, that's Marcel Dion, Dave Taylor, and Charlie Simmer. One of the greatest lines ever in hockey. And they're going to be singing the track, Please Forgive My Misconduct last night. That's Marcel Dion and the Pucktones. Please forgive my misconduct tonight. Then something probably by King Richard Brodeur from the Vancouver Canucks. Then the theme song from the Vancouver Canucks, We're Really, Really With You from 1975. And in an interview with Alex Burroughs from the Vancouver Canucks. And then Hardcore Logo. Live, the play version, all on Denard War, the human serviette radio show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Marcel and the Pactones. <laughs>
Alex Burrows. Alex, I'd like to right off the bat give you a gift. Okay, that'd be awesome. Now, I wonder what it could be. It is some Tina Turner, Simply the Best. That's a great song. I remember uh, one of my buddies uh, used to play it all the time uh, when we win a big game and they uh, play the song Simply the Best. So it reminds me a lot of uh, good memories. Thank you very much. Now, what would you do with the song? Now, you got it on CD. Would you put it on your iPod? Are you into the iPod? Uh, yes, I like the iPod. Uh, I got an iPhone, so I got all my music in there, and uh, so that's how I rock. Now, what about ringtones and stuff? I had heard Kevin Bieksa had said that you have Celine Dion as your ringtone. Is that true? No, that's not true. I just like the quiet vibrate mode, and uh, so no, it doesn't bother anyone. The vibrate mode, I love that. Yeah, the same here. <laughs> Alex Burrows at the Vancouver Canucks. I have seen you singing, though. You've been singing a bit, haven't you? I saw you on TV singing. What was that? Well, that was for a charity event a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago, and um, we came up at the French guys with a French song uh, to entertain the people there, and um, that's how it worked out. And I was thinking, hmm, I wonder, Alex, would you ever consider possibly doing a record like Marcel Dion did? <laughs> no, probably not. I've never even seen this one, but uh, I guess uh, those uh, LA Kings, they had to sell some tickets, so they had to do a few different things. Well, I think it would be really great if you did do a song, so I thought I'd get you stoked on a Vancouver Canucks song. Okay, that'd be great. You, you give me the lyrics and the music, and uh, you hook me up to get practice, and uh, we'll get it done. Well, we actually have the song, and I'm going to give this to you right here. It's the 1975 Vancouver Canucks theme song. Canucks are with you. Oh, really? I've never heard the song, so I don't know what happened to it, but uh, should get the DJ Dave to play it again in warm-up. 
That's actually a gift for you, Alex. That's a gift so you can learn it. Oh, thank you very much. I'll, uh, I'll listen to it later today and uh, see what I can do with it. Now, 40 years, the Vancouver Canucks, a long time, isn't it? Yeah, it's 40 years. It's a long time, but uh, it's a great organization and uh, looking better than ever now. And fighting for the cup, and the Canucks have always had records, like they have the Vancouver Canucks theme song, but they also had this record right here, Alex. Canucks, with a little help from your friends. Well, that's, a, that's another beauty, that's for sure. Now, if we turn that over, Alex, who do we see on the back there? Harold? Harold Snaps. Have you met Harold Snaps at all? Met a few times uh, through golf tournaments or, or at games and stuff like that, so I've seen him around. Now, what I was wondering, Alex, is Harold Snaps once fought Doug Risebrow right underneath the stands. Have you ever seen anything like that in all the leagues you've been in? Fights going on under the stands? Players, have you ever seen anything like that? Uh, not really. Not anymore. I think those were the good old days, but that doesn't happen anymore. That's for sure. What's the closest thing you've seen to, like, under the stands fighting? Like, locker room fighting or stuff in the hall? Like, I mean, because that's amazing. Snaps under the stands. Yeah, that's uh, pretty good, but uh, I thought Rick Rippin grabbing the fan was uh, probably the best thing. Uh, not the best thing, but the biggest thing I saw, that's for sure. Alex, I had also heard that you wanted to be a gym teacher. Uh, yeah, but that would not make it as a NHL or that would probably be a teacher somewhere and uh, I like sports so much so that would probably be a gym teacher. Well, Alex, do you think you could be both a gym teacher and an NHLer? For instance, uh, like Gilbert Delorme, who has an exercise record. Well, that's pretty good. I don't do you remember Gilbert Delorme? Oh, yeah, I remember him for sure. But uh, I don't know where you come up with these things. They're pretty good. So this is an exercise record to add. What about an Alex Burroughs exercise record? I mean, check out that cover. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Oh, it is. Sweet tights, um, sweet bikes, sweet bench press. So I'm sure... Uh, it would be nice to see a, a Burroughs one, that's for sure. But it doesn't stop there, Alex. There also was the Lafleur record. Did you ever see this one before? Never saw the, the Lafleur one, but uh, I heard a lot of good things about the guy. It's a great record. It's like disco beats, and he's talking to, like, skate. Skate over top of the disco beats. Oh, really? Probably with the blonde air flowing through while he's skating, so it's pretty... Exactly. You got it. You are psychic, Alex. For instance, pull out the little insert that goes with this Lafleur record right here. You can put the other records there down right here. Speaking to Alex Burroughs of the Vancouver Canucks. What does the insert have? This could be your ins... Oh, first off, we got that. That's pretty amazing. What do we have here, Alex? This could be your poster. Oh, nice. Uh, Guy Lafleur, blonde hair, shirtless. Um, I guess the ladies back in Montreal probably love these pictures, and I'm sure a few of them have uh, this hanging up in their room, that's for sure. So that's the potential for doing one of these exercise skating records. It isn't always just the skating or the music, some of the insert. Better than Ryan Kessler in his underwear with uh, the RK17 campaign, that's for sure. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> and speaking of Vancouver Canucks, I was mentioning the history of Canucks records and stuff, Alex Burroughs of the Vancouver Canucks. There also was King Richard's Army, Richard Brodeur. Yeah, I met him too a few times. Um, I know he was a great goalie for the Canucks, and um, now he's a painter. He does a pretty good job painting, uh, and uh, he's a really good, uh, good guy. Now, after he retired, he did a bit of broadcasting. Didn't know that. He was into broadcasting. Why is it that so many goaltenders are into broadcasting? You know, Kelly, Rudy, Weeks, etc. Why so many goaltenders? I don't know. That's a good question, but uh, I think they probably know. They see the game uh, all their life from back there, and uh, they probably think they know how to see it from on top. 
Alex, what about Luongo? Well, as a goaltender, he's awesome. But as a sports anchor, I'm not sure how he'd do because uh, I think he, he likes to play poker and stop pucks. That's about it. Well, I was saying, as a goaltender, he does very well, doesn't he? The way he moves back and forth. Have you seen this figurine at all? Yes, I've seen this one before. I think uh, there's that a McDonald one or... or I don't know. They, he's got a few of them. Now, what is it going to take for you to get one of these, or do you have one? I think the only thing I got is a bubble lead, and it kind of looks funny going this way, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you'll have to talk about to the organization about it. Alex Burrows at Vancouver Canucks, you are also interested in broadcasting yourself, aren't you? You were on the Team 1040 for a bit. Uh, Team 1040, I did a little bit of sports net with uh, the guys for preseason. It was an experience that I uh, kind of liked. It was not too much say what you thought and uh, looked at the game, so it was pretty easy. Now, who do you look for inspiration when you're doing broadcasting? Oh, I like uh, Jabrosim a lot. He, um, he was good at... Uh, Tom Larshai too, right? Larshai was good. Bingo, bango. Luongo. Yeah, I love it. That's what he, he used to say, but uh, Tom was really good, too. Uh, I had him in the last few years, and uh, he was uh, good to have around. Because I was thinking, hmm, we got to get Alex back in the broadcast booth. Really? You got any, like, a bingo bongo uh, comments for me to, uh, to use? Or? Exactly. I have another gift for you, Alex, right here. The Hockey Night in Canada record, yeah. the classic one from the 60s, 70s, has all these amazing calls in it. And I thought you could take that home and learn something of the calls to practice up oh that'd be good that'd be good i'd love to read it all and uh, listen to some of the best moments uh, that happened in the game so that'd be good so you can get back up in the booth and do her yeah that'd be sick that'd be uh, be pretty good for me alex if i head to montreal i gotta go to schwartz's don't i smoked meat right yes, yes exactly that's a really good spot saint laurent street yeah i've been to schwartz's what about other smoked meat places isn't there a place called abby's is there abby's meat and steak what are some other smoked meat places I don't know the Abbey's one, but uh, I know there's a great one in Yelltown there in Vancouver with fat smoke meat. That's a good, another good smoke meat place. How about though in Montreal, Momesso? Doesn't Sergio Momesso have a restaurant? Have you heard about that? Yeah, I know Sergio a little bit. I know he has got a restaurant in West Island there and in downtown. So uh, I've never been, but I've heard he's got a good little restaurant there. What other restaurants do you think that you've been to that you've enjoyed at a run by NHLers? What's some good NHLer food? I mean, you'd have the smoked beef in yours, right? I <laughs> uh, like uh, a lot of guys now. They take care of their uh, their weight and uh, the way they eat to be, to perform every night. And uh, the smoked meat only goes in the summer or on a round of golf. But we like the filet mignon and uh, the nice uh, lean piece of meat, so we can say LT. Alex Burrows, in the NBA, players get $135 or something like that per diem, per day, to spend on food. Quite a bit. But when you were in the ECHL, you got how much a day to spend on food? I think it was 32 bucks a day. So it wasn't a lot. You had to uh, three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with it, and a few snacks there and there. And uh, you had to think about your poker game, too, if you wanted, wanted an a $5 in there, too. So And some booze, right? And some booze and... Uh, a lot of um, snacks for the long bus rides. So what would you recommend that I have? I only got like 32 bucks. What's the best way to like stuff up? What are the best toppings at Subway? Uh, lettuce. <laughs> get, make sure you get a lot of cheese in there, a lot of meat, and uh, try to get all the veggies so you, uh, you don't have to eat uh, another meal. So is Subway one of the places anywhere else to really get cheap food on $32? Um, there was some uh, uh, cheap pasta joints that we could get some pasta for five or six bucks. So those were the places we tried to go. 
Alex Bruce of the Vancouver Canucks. You also played with Mark Andre Waugh. Yeah, Mark Andre Waugh. Yeah, he was a beauty, that's for sure. Now he had like 653 penalty minutes in 68 games. Yeah, that's uh, 11 games in the sin bin and uh, in a season. So that was a, a QMJHL record. So uh, it might still be a CHL record. What do you remember about him? Well, the guy was uh, loved to fight. He, uh, he didn't care whoever he fought, and uh, had a big tattoo on his chest. And uh, he was, uh, couldn't really uh, understand him uh, when he was speaking English. So it's pretty funny. And the Canucks had him up at a training camp a couple of years ago, didn't they? Well, they drafted him, I think, in uh, Berkey when he was there, and I think in the seventh round. And uh, the fans were complaining about not having enough toughness. So I guess that's why they drafted him. But. Uh, guy uh, wasn't really a hockey player. He was more of a fighter. And he's still rocking, though, now in some league, isn't he, in Quebec, in one of those Quebec leagues? Yeah, Quebec senior. I think he's uh, It's more of a league that have two lines that can play and two lines that can fight. So uh, he's fighting over there, I guess, and uh, may, uh, earning a living. Alex, what about yourself? Is it true that the last fight you had in the NHL was with Dan Hambuse? Yes, I guess so. Yeah, last year with Dan. Yeah, that was a good one. Have you talked to him about that or tried to recreate that in practice? Yeah, we did. Not in practice, but we talked about it. And uh, he said that I was getting under his skin. And I said the same thing about him. So uh, it was all good. And uh, now we're good friends. Alex, I once interviewed Felix the... Cat. Felix the Cat. Felix Podfan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loved punk rock like the UK subs and the Dayglow abortions. How about yourself? Were you ever into like the Planet Smashers or the local Rabbits punk rock bands in Montreal? Not really. Um, I, I stick with my, the techno music and the rap and uh, that kind of stuff. Not, not much into punk rock. But you're into possibly singing and doing a record, right, Alex? Yeah, I'll work on that. I'll look at the lyrics and add the song, and if I like it, I'll, I'll work my best. Please get back to me on that, because I have another thing. Lastly, to show you here, Alex, the Bobby Orr record on Takeaways. Oh, really? I've never seen that one, too. That's uh, an oldie, that's for sure. And check out the nice pictures that are inside this one. Nice. You talk about windswept back hair there for yeah. Guy Lafleur. Some nice pondering shots there of... Bobby, oh, there's a, there's a nice Bobby Orr one there on the back. Yes, that's a nice one, that's for sure. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Alex Burrows of the Vancouver Canucks? Not really. You're on the show, not me. Well, thanks so much. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot, doot, loot, do. Doot, doot. When I was young, my mom and dad did certain things that made it possible for me to be one of the better skaters in the NHL. For instance, my parents couldn't always afford the most expensive equipment. But every time I needed a new pair of skates, they made sure that the boots fit properly, about a size smaller than my shoes, and that the skates had additional leather support in the ankle area. That was always very important to them. And I soon learned why. The secret is balance. The secret to balance is proper posture. Here's an exercise I learned from my father that helped me develop good balance. Okay, stand straight. Stand straight. With your feet shoulder width apart. 
Now, bend your knees, just your knees, and hold it there for a few seconds. Straighten up, and then go through the exercise again. This exercise can be taken one step further when you're on the ice. Okay, stand straight. Bend just your knees, head and shoulders back. Now, with only the top bend on your stick, and always keeping the full plate of the stick on the ice, skate. Choose a mark at the opposite side of the ice and skate over to it. And stop. Turn. Choose a different mark across the ice this time and skate to it. Stop. Turn. And again, choose another mark across the ice and skate to it. Keep repeating this with a different mark each time. And pretty soon you'll have set up your own special set of markers. Now, practice skating over the course that you set up. And when you feel comfortable with the marker positions, try skating with a puck. Carry the puck with you over your personal marker setup as often as you can. And you'll continue to develop the proper posture. So important to achieve balance. My father used to tell me, what John Beliveau skate with those long and powerful strides. He can balance his whole body on one leg, leaving his other leg free to develop the momentum and power to generate great speed. That's the skill that makes him great. That's why balance is a secret. To learn to skate backwards and to help with balance and body control, I had to do crossovers, and they were simple to master. Crossovers. Stand straight. Bend your knees with your top end only on the stick. Now, take your right foot and cross over in front of the left and put it on the ice. Now, the secret. Take the left foot of the ice and put it beside the right in exactly the same position as when you started with feet shoulder width apart. Now do it to the rhythm of one, two, three, stop. First to the left and then back to the right. Once you get your feet working, then add a little bounce by bending and straightening the knees as you lift one foot over the other. When you feel that you've got your balance under control, try to do it with some movement. Give a little push backward and a little bounce. Work at one, two, three, stop. One, two, three, until you get it down. And then learn to do it carrying a puck. Remember, skating is the name of the game, and balance on skates is the skill that makes it all possible.
You know, and my philosophy is for myself is always to just hit the net. Dig down a little deeper and work harder. That's where teamwork comes in. Hockey. With a little help from your friends. The Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> to introduce you to the rage of South Porcupine, Ontario. This is Don Lever. Don plays forward for the Vancouver Canucks. And Don Lever travels in fast, fast company. Lever racing after it. Porche partially checked him. Lever cutting it on goal. Rolling in front. McCray stopped it. It's loose. It's loose. They score! Yeah, I was a goaltender until I was 12, and uh, I was in the outdoor rinks. My, my feet get so cold, I decided I'd go outside and start skating. This is Don Lieber. Okay, Don, what time do you think is uh, most important to really hustle in a practice, like near the beginning or middle of the end? Well, first of all, when you come out on a warm-up, Dave, is the warm-up's most important. Get the groins loose, get a little bit of a sweat on, and you go through all your motions of one-on-ones, uh, two-on-ones, three-on-ones, and scrimmaging, and then... When it comes to the end and you're getting a little bored about the last 10 minutes, that's when usually skating is the best, just to dig down a little deeper and work harder. I guess it's different on goaltenders, but where should you shoot, really, on all goaltenders? I would say, like, again, it's the whole thing is coming into the goaltender and seeing where the goaltender is. Most of your shots, I think, are from about 40 feet out, and uh, the easiest place for a goaltender to stop the puck is around the knees. If you shoot the puck around the knees or from the knees to the shoulders, he just has to use his hands, which is very easy. So 80% um, of the time, I would say, you should shoot that puck on the ice because he's got to move his feet. It can hit a defenseman or hit your own player, easy to deflect. Whereas when you come in closer, you look at the goaltender and you fake or something and wait for him to go down, then get it up high. Right, it makes it difficult. It makes sense when you think of it. Uh, when you shoot it up high, the goaltender has his glove hand or his stick hand, but if you shoot it on the ice, he's got to move his feet, and you've got a lot more of the, the net to shoot at. Most goaltenders now fall down spread eagle with uh, usually a V between their legs. So four places where uh, you should be learning to shoot the puck is at each corner, either along the ice, one, two, or three, four is up high, right? So whenever you're going in on a goaltender, always try instead of shooting at the goaltender, is shoot for the corners, always shoot for the corners. You know, and my philosophy is for myself is always to just hit the net because the goaltender's got to make the save. It's loose, they score! It's good to play uh, lines, and, you know, you, you realize three guys play together fine. They play well together, but let's say you get uh, three great guys in one line and the other two lines are mediocre, it would be better off to put a guy in another line and balance your team off. That's where teamwork comes in. Okay, I'm a winger. Um, what should I be looking for? The most important thing when you're playing the wing is to m make sure you play the wing only, like stay up and down your wing. Three-quarters of the game, perhaps, is defense, so that's the importance of playing your own wing, watching your winger. The rage of South Porcupine, Ontario. And you're still listening to Denard War, the Human Serviette 
radio show. You just heard Don Lever with a little help from your friends, the Vancouver Canucks. And before that, Guy Lafleur from Guy Lafleur's skating exercise record. And before that, on the Nordward Human Serviette radio show, an interview with Alex Burroughs from the Vancouver Canucks. And who do we have in the studio joining us right now? Hello, are you there? I'm here. Uh, please, if you could move close, a bit closer to the mic. I'm, I'm, I'm practically eating the microphone. You have shoved the microphone literally through my nose. Uh, maybe because the headphones here are not working too well. Maybe. Well, just keep talking. Just I'm keep talking. talking. La, la, la. My name is Michael Scholar Jr. And Michael, who do you have? Michael, who do you have with you? And with me, there is... Hi, I'm Rachel Johnston. Welcome to the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And who are you exactly? Please well, explain. Exactly. I am my mother and father's son and my future son's father uh, or future daughter's father, depending on uh, what kind of offspring I have. Uh, but I, I'm also the artistic producer of November Theatre. I'm the playwright and actor uh, starring in Hardcore Logo Live at the Rickshaw Theatre that plays till February 6th. Happening tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, yeah. Canada. And Rachel, you are in that too as well, aren't you? I absolutely am in that as well. And we have a caller right off the bat. Not sure why. Hello, caller. Are you there? Oh, welcome to my castle. Welcome to my castle. Welcome to my castle. Welcome to my without that collar. But, you know, that collar is psychic in a way. He was singing an ancient Vancouver rock and roll tune. I know that and song. how does rock and roll apply to this hardcore logo? Because what is hardcore logo well, exactly? It's not an opera. Please explain to the people. Well, hardcore logo was originally a book by Michael Turner, uh, a great uh, poet and writer and artist uh, who created this novel in verse about a uh, fake Vancouver punk band that tours across Western Canada. And, uh, and then it was turned into a movie by Bruce McDonald, written by Noel S. Baker, and that was a great movie, loved by many, one of Canada's greatest movies ever made, one of the greatest road movies ever made, one of the greatest music movies ever made, and I have adapted the, the movie and the book into a live theatrical production, and we've got new music by Joe Shithead Keith Lee from the band DOA, uh, taking Michael Turner's lyrics and making our punk-ass show even cooler. Because you're reclaiming Hardcore Logo in a way, aren't you? Because we have right in front of us the Hardcore Logo soundtrack from years ago and the look of the movie is a lot different than the play you're doing right now. Like, you're reclaiming it with Vancouver punk references. Just like the caller was singing an old Vancouver tune, you've added Vancouver references even more to Hardcore Logo, which is kind of weird because Michael Turner, who wrote it, is from Vancouver, but you added even more Vancouver stuff. Well, uh, Welcome to My Castle is definitely a classic Vancouver rock song and whoever sang it originally is um, is a genius uh but uh um uh, yeah, the, the original soundtrack and the original movie had its own thing going on, and we were inspired by the movie, but uh, deliberately I chose to, to hire Joe, who is like the godfather of Vancouver punk, to, to write new music that would really add the air of authenticity so that this band would feel like a Vancouver band. But I don't think we're reclaiming anything. We're just doing our own interpretation of it. I love the movie, and I love the book. Well, you are reclaiming it in a way, because you got the dish rags in there. you got the Furies. Like, you're putting Vancouver's first punk band 
man who didn't have anything really even released when the movie came out out into the actual play, which well, is great. I, I so you're reclaiming that. it. You're reclaiming I, it. But but reclaiming implies that it has been stolen and it has been put taken somewhere else. And I don't really think that's true. I mean, I think the the the, the movie is incredible. And although no, we're reclaiming hardcore logo as your own because it was Michael Turner's written Vancouver yeah, yeah. stolen by Bruce McDonald. No, it was not. <laughs> no, no, he'd be, he'd be the first to admit that he'd be happy to be told that he would be the one that be stealing it. because when you buy something, he bought it. He steals, he takes the idea, he buys it, goes to Toronto, makes a movie, and then now you're taking it back from Toronto you know, to Vancouver. I, I, you know, I, I love the Vancouver punk scene. I'm a huge fan of the Vancouver punk scene. I got tons of the vinyl. I'm a, a big fan of the Vancouver punk scene. Uh, but uh, but I don't think Bruce McDonald stole it. He was given freely. Well, not freely, but, but uh, Michael Turner said, yes, you can adapt my film uh, or adapt my book into a film. And it was shot in Vancouver with some Vancouver actors. Well, you could say he stole it before anybody in Vancouver could think about it because you were too young. <laughs> when did you first hear about Hardcore Logo, Rachel? Could you please explain? Uh, the movie? Yes. Uh, when it came out. When was that, Michael? 96, yeah. 95. Yeah, I saw it then. It was fantastic. I loved it. And what have you learned about Vancouver punk trivia along the way of doing this? Oh, little bits and pieces. Only th Michael's like Michael's an encyclopedia of, of punk rock. Like, has there been any new little tidbits you guys have learned with Hardcore Logo? Maybe we should go over with what the plot is. Did we say what the plot uh, is? Uh, I can br br briefly say it's it's about a, a punk band uh, from the first wave in '77 reuniting in the mid '90s and going on an ill-fated reunion tour across Western Canada. And uh, I, I guess one of the things that Rachel, you might have uh, learned about on this project is who the heck Nardwar the Human Serviette yes, is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've watched many, many YouTube clips of Nardwar the Human Serviette. But how about punk trivia stuff that you might have learned you didn't know before? Now you're deep into this project, Michael. You must have learned some stuff you didn't know before, oh, like yeah. lots. I, I've learned lots. I mean, I, I, of course, I, I, I've always been a punk nerd and a collector, and I've got you know posters and sh records and shirts and whatnot. But uh, diving into this project, I, I, I did a lot of extensive research. Research. I read uh, I Shithead for the first time, which is Joe's great book on Arsenal Pulp Press. Um, I, uh, I was watching movies. There's the Bloody But Unbowed uh, documentary came out. So I've, I've learned some really interesting stories uh, from, from people who were there at the time. Bev Davies, who's uh, working on the project with us, who took photographs of, of, uh, of uh, punkers at the time. And, 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 uh, and she's doing this beautiful display of her photos in the lobby so i've, I've, I've learned some really cool stories uh, um one one great story is about joe having the physical ability to urinate over a van the man he's is is incredible i haven't seen this but he claims that his piss is so strong he can piss an arch of piss over a van and did it into somebody's drink right well well yeah, that was at a gig at the mabu gardens in san fran i'm not sure how it's pronounced fab Evident mab fab mab as it's often called uh evidently there was these two girls sitting at the bar who were, were kind of uh, out of place uh i don't know wannabes or uh, girls who weren't quite comfortable having their, their punk night out, I guess. And so he thought he would initiate from the stage, uh, he would initiate them by pissing into their drinks. Right. So uh, I've heard a lot of fun stories over uh, over over lunch breaks with Joe and uh, me and the guys in the band are constantly asking him to tell us touring stories. So yeah, I've, I've learned a lot of trivia along the way. Speaking of which, caller. Okay, caller, try back if you'd like. 604-822. Oh, the caller's trying again hello caller hello caller 
Sounds like the Bills Christmas pass. Super Mario Brothers. I think it might be uh, Super Mario 2. Yeah, that's Super Mario 2. That's one, the one where you pick up the vegetables and throw the vegetables at the bad guy. <laughs> Who the heck is, is calling Thank me? you, caller. See, that's the great thing about CITR radio and Vancouver punk in general is people just go for it. Yeah. And that's why it's so great that you're reclaiming Hardcore Logo. You and we're speaking here to Rachel and Michael from Hardcore Logo, the play, which is happening right now for the next couple weeks at the Rickshaw Theatre, happening, playing tonight, an yeah. actual play. Yeah. And when you say play, there's music. Like you are actually playing the music. Yeah, we're so playing. it's like a gig. In many ways, you've upped the bar for Vancouver music because a lot of times you go to Rickshaw and you see a gig, but you don't see any play or comedy <laughs> mixed with it. But you actually go to the Rickshaw. It's like a band's doing a gig, yeah. and then there's all this stuff happening in between songs. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a concert that's uh, broken up over this, uh, this this tour where we do a, a gig, a, a song in Toronto, a song in Vancouver, a song in Calgary, and we tour across Canada. Uh, and then, of course, we do the scenes and the stories in between. And one of the characters that uh, Rachel plays, and the reason she had to learn about Nardwar the Human Serviette is because Rachel actually plays Nardwar the Human Serviette. So I'm going to ask you, Nardwar, how did you feel sitting in the audience last night and seeing yourself being uh, impersonated uh, on stage? Oh, I was just totally honored. It was incredible. <laughs> Especially because Rachel does a whole bunch of other different characters too, Rachel. You play also like a little punker and then you hit the ground really hard and I heard a thud. That's what impressed me the most. Could you explain to the people about that? You're playing like a punker run. You play multiple characters, including me, yeah. in the play. Yeah. What's that thud that happened? And was there an extra thud last night? There was an, an unintentional thud and I'm nursing a bruise on my knee this morning. But I thought it was pretty punk rock, so... Yeah, I thought it worked out pretty well. How many characters do you play? Uh, we played, I, I think originally, what, there was 15 or 12 or something. It was being cut down to about nine now with the cuts, so... It's awesome. I love it. It's way, way, way too much fun. And yeah. you got them down perfectly, too, doesn't she, Michael? Oh, she's Like, incredible. when you're running around, Rachel, being kind of like the cobalt, Quebeco punk, you know, Quebecois yeah. punk, you know. I love that. Yeah, she, uh, she's a great, uh, Rachel's a brilliant character actress, so I knew uh, right from the outset when I was uh, writing this for uh, for my company and, and, and for, the, for the show, I knew I had to hire Rachel because... Uh, there are four guys in the band. That's me. I, I, I'm the lead singer, Joe Dick, and the other guys. We all play the instruments live, and we 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 play the songs, and we play the band, and we're on stage almost the whole time, telling the story from our various perspectives. But they meet all these different people along the way: hookers, groupies, booking agents, Bucky Hate, the legendary punk, le punk legend, and and press such as Nardwar. So I knew I needed um, a really talented ca character actress who could play a man, could play a woman woman and play someone real and someone amazing like yourself, someone who I really respect and is a part of the spirit of the Vancouver punk scene, and uh, I thought Rachel would be the obvious choice for that. I, I've worked with Rachel a lot, actually. Um, I hired her to do Black Rider, and we built that show together, and we toured that across uh, North America for 10 years together, mm -hmm. and she played a man in our production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch mm -hmm. in Edmonton, where I was a drag queen, and she was playing a man, and Brad Moss, our director for Hardcore Logo, he directed that show too so it was all kind of spinning off of previous experiences and, and pulling together a team
team uh, that uh, is is part of my extended career. Well, you had family. ten years of wearing white face, ten years of white face, <laughs> yeah. and now you're straight up punk. Like, that is devotion to the craft, and it's amazing too. That you got money, like you got money. I'm glad you got money. You got some government money yeah. because if you didn't get it, who would get the money? And the wild <laughs> thing is, you got money for someone to play me in a movie. Like I hope the government doesn't find it out. I mean, I'm just totally honored that I'm actually in there. Should I say play me in a play? But maybe it will become a movie. Is there a chance this might become a movie? It, it already is a movie. No, another movie, an adaptation, like another so, movie. The hardcore logo live the movie. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure that would actually work. That kind of sounds a lot like the people that bought the rights for My Fair Lady and they want to take the music out of it now. Well, I love that. I think it'd be great. I was honored that I'm in there. I was wondering, though, Rachel, in in, in the hardcore logo play playing tonight, we're going to be giving away some tickets for that yeah. as well. At the rickshaw, you're playing me, Nardward Human Survey. I'm interviewing hardcore logo, the band. By the way, hardcore logo, the logo you have written on the back of your jacket it looks pretty much like hole sorry about that oh really yeah because you know like the way it's written it looks like you have a hole patch yeah, i was like cool he's into courtney wait a second that's hardcore logo it's hcl and the c is a copyright sign so it looks like a circle so i i could see that i could see that. one little thing to change as well on the change. second Are you giving time me notes? on the second time <laughs> that i am making an appearance in hardcore logo with the play rachel yeah what happens actually because you have everything memorized maybe you could react that scene what goes on at the what? very the second time hey, why don't we do a little scene i'll pretend to be billy talent and you, you know, can interview me <laughs> you want us to do you want us yes, to do if that you little could, scene? yeah if you could yeah if you could i usually I don't say? play billy talent so my lines aren't perfect do you mind if i ask you a few questions billy shoot Who, uh, uh, i can't remember the lines well then i would go I, uh, joe would leave and go oh i should go get yeah, yeah, yeah. cash from that who team. are you uh, Billy Talent, formerly of Hardcore Logo. And currently of indie sensation Jennifer. Yeah. Just uh, waiting on some papers. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, he okay, let's get to know the, the line. Let's get to the good part. And the good part is at the end, I say, when you go do do lutu and oh. you say, Oh, we go, right, well, are uh, we about to swear on the air? Go ahead. Uh, keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot, dude. Fuck you. However, the second time I make an appearance, yes. I don't even get to do to do no, do, do I? I and this is the, the problem door. I have with it. Yeah. Not the fact that you don't go do do, uh. but at the end, I would have been at least yelling. This is a little pointer for you. I would have been yelling, saying, can you at least go do 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 do? And then I would get pushed down the stairs. Well, no, no, I, 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 you actually gave me that note before, and I like, thought it was a really good note. I think you're absolutely right. But what, what we do, let's do the end part, because we know the end But can't part. you do that now? Like, in other words, when you're doing it next time, can't you just say, like, Oh, just uh, can you just please go do 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 do, and then get, like, like, can you at least go? You know, you don't, you don't <laughs> have right? to go do do, but just you saying, can you at least go do do do? Well, let, let, let's let's run a little bit. So Billy, what about the rumors that you're romantically involved with a certain Kim? Was it Kim Deal of the Breeders, or Kim Gordon of Sonic Youth, or Kim Shattuck of the Muffs? It was Kim Mitchell. Now, fuck off. And, and, uh, and yeah, now we see the fuck off. But the thing is, then you hear. You hear a falling noise, but the thing is, at the fuck off, you could have at least kind of heard. What is I'm the playwright. I give you permission to add that. But uh, but the choice was, I mean, I didn't want to do the same gag twice because we have you on there twice. We already played with the doot doot the first time, and you said there's no way I would ever leave an interview without asking for the doot doot because I ran the script by you. Yes, you're, exactly. You're I would always, but I would say, can you at least go do? I would at least try to bang back on the door. So the choice was, just so you're gonna understand the choice, it was. A conscious decision to, not to be inaccurate. The choice was that I would kick you out before you had a chance to do that. 
So you're trying to get questions out as I'm pushing you out the room, and then we throw you out before you have a chance. So maybe you are saying that off stage. We just can't hear you in the theater. Oh, I hate I'll, that I'll, theater I'll, talk. I'll, <laughs> I'll yell it during my quick change into Brenda. Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? Caller, are you there? <laughs> it's Mario Brothers again, Super Mario 2. And we should <laughs> and we should point out that you, Michael, are doing a lot of the singing. In fact, most of the singing, there's nothing on tape. There is zero on tape. We had this. You have a full band set. So people again, we're speaking here to Rachel and Michael yeah. from Hardcore Logo Live that's happening at the Rickshaw Theater tonight and for a whole bunch more days as a play. So you go down there, it's essentially like watching a band and you get some comedy as well. You get some play action yeah. and you're actually playing a whole gig. How many songs do you guys do? I Quite a few. We're now at 11 songs, uh, but it's a, you know, it's two hours worth of a show uh, plus an intermission and we've, uh, you know, got this story, a compelling story with some comedy and some video and some crazy theatrics and music. So it's part theater, part concert, uh, part video thing. And all this is from a guy that acted with Luke Perry and Tony Danza. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've acted with Sir Luke Perry and uh, the soon-to-be-knighted uh, Sir Tony Danza. So this is the Rickshaw Theatre that everything is happening at. Yeah. When I walked in there, the set deck is incredible. Can you describe that? Where'd you get all the posters? Can you describe when somebody walks in, what are they going to see at the well, Rickshaw? When they, once you walk into the theatre, they'll see four, three walls walls uh, on stage that look like um, uh, 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 like CBGB's. It looks like CBGB's. It's covered in posters and stickers, and all those posters um, our great set designer Corey got from um, Scott Beadle, who's the great punk archivist, and Bev Davies, and uh, punkposters.com. He just collected as many posters as possible, printed them up, slapped them up on the set. We even got like a, a, a box of those posters still printed backstage in case, you know, the set needs to be repaired and stuff. But they're not originals, of course. They're photocopies. It's basically like a poster exhibit. Yeah. And do you think it's genius, Rachel? Because if people in the crowd are bored, they can just keep looking at all the posters. <laughs> like, it's amazing. Did you yeah. ever think of that? Or people on stage, do you ever look at the posters? I look at the posters all the time. I, my, I always get drawn to the giant penises all over the set for yeah, sure. Yeah, there's a giant penis drawn by Raymond Pettibone who is of course the great uh, artist who did all the Black Flag covers and the Black Flag posters and stuff and there's this really crazy penis poster that we Is that your favorite? Me. Mine was Mao Vinaigrette which is amazing artifact. Mao, Nico Case's first band yeah. playing with Carolyn Mark's first band. What? My favorite poster is one that I got put downstage center for inspiration for me. It's uh, a DOA concert with the Fastbacks and uh, the Silly Killers but it was produced by Phil Spencer who used to have a record store downtown and now he's my record dealer he delivers records to me and he's kind of like my drug dealer <laughs> he brings me my my drugs I need my record fix and he gives them to me at really low prices on Craigslist but I probably shouldn't be announcing that because I want to be the only one who buys records from him so uh, so it says Phil Spectacle presents DOA and it's got that great logo and it's downstairs and the farts are playing on that gig as well I think featuring Duff 
Oh, maybe. No, the Duff plays with the Fastbacks. He played with both bands that night, apparently. No way. That's really? what I heard. Cool. What are you going to do with the set when it's all over? Do you know, Rachel? What is uh, going to happen to the set? Well, we're not sure uh, what's going to be the, the life of this uh, the, the show. We're hoping, I think, to tour it eventually. So I imagine it's going to go into storage. But as uh, we were ta discussing earlier, the talkback, that we might have to modify this set a little bit because it's a little bit hard to tour. It's a beautiful set, but it's, it takes a while to it would be so. great to sell to a band to use as a backdrop. <laughs> it, this is totally amazing. Did you get every band that their posters up there to sign a little sign-off sheet? No freaking way. <laughs> and, they, and one, they don't own the rights. It's the person that makes the poster that owns the rights, right? So uh, did we ask the artists of the posters? No. I mean, you can't track them down. And, you know, we're not you know, making money off their posters. We're just decorating the set with these artifacts that were freely given to us by Scott Beadle and Bev Davies and punkposters.com that are, they're already, you know, displaying them on Facebook and whatnot. So we're just displaying them in, in our own printed way. And uh, it's a real homage to, to those folks. It's just awesome to totally look at. Mm -hmm. Now, Rachel, we have Rachel here and Michael from Hardcore Logo Live happening tonight, right? Happening tonight yeah, that's right. at eight the rickshaw yeah. and tomorrow night, Saturday? Yeah. 8 o'clock every Sunday. night till February 6th. Except at, Monday. Except Monday. We Play and music and a whole bunch of great photos on display, etc., etc. Rachel, what are you doing? Can you explain to people listening to the Nardwater Human Survey Radio Show, aside from playing all these different characters in the play, Hardcore yeah. Logo, the play, Hardcore Logo, what's going on with that little van thing that is incredible <laughs> <laughs> there's a fantastic design concept where the boys are on the road and we have a little uh sort of a basically a little puppet show on the side where uh there's a video camera filming a, a miniature van so you get to see projected on the back wall but it's in it's in real time the van rumbling along the highway and i actually come out and do some of the uh van puppet work, uh, including the moose on a stick that ends up in front of the van when they have their big <laughs> screech to a halt before they almost hit a moose. Who thought of that? I love the projection thing. Well, I, I, I wrote it into the, the script initially. I knew from reading the book, the book has these fabulous images in the book where there's this uh, um, through line of spray paint and graffiti that Michael Turner had conceived. I, I'm not even sure whether he took the photos or not, but, uh, but uh, there's this seeming seedy alley in East Van where uh, the spray paint says Hardcore Logo, then Hardcore Logo rules, then Hardcore Logo sucks, then, then that's crossed out, it says Hardcore Logo rules again, then Hardcore Logo question mark? And it, it, it just got my mind spinning as to how we could play with images and projections in the show. So I wrote into the show that there would be the, these projections and some of the things that are projected are, are the, the riders that are in the book uh, or, or even the van. I, I, I said, well, if we we should do the van moving down the highway, uh, but we should manipulate it live. So, uh, you know, that that's in the script, but our brilliant uh, projection designer, Jamie Nesbitt, took that idea and ran with it, and our, our director, Brad Moss, also uh, took that idea and ran with it as well. So it's a bit of puppet show action, too. Added it to the music of Hardcore Logo <laughs> Live, plus you put out a 7-inch. Yeah. I mean, how thorough, <laughs> how thorough, Rachel, is Michael? You were working for, with... For t how have you, you ten years? You took a bit of a break, though. I heard from Michael. Never only only because we well, happen to be. This is the first you've returned. I have I have returned. 
What? I have returned to to November Theater. I haven't been with you guys for a little while. Well, that's true. They are, we we closed Black Rider in 2008, but we were workshopping the show in 2009. Ten so. years <laughs> of blackface and whiteface, <laughs> and now you've returned, Rachel. This is really thorough. Like, what is this, Rachel? What do we have here in my hand? This is the seven inch that they uh, recorded in Banff. A seven inch. I yeah. mean, you are going everything <laughs> all out. Was there a seven inch for the record when it came out with Hardcore Logo? The first time on the movie? For the movie? No. In, no! In fact, they didn't even release the soundtrack till years later. And we're going to have a battle of the soundtrack right yeah. now. What are we going to hear right now? First, we're going to hear what? Well, first, we're going to hear um, uh, the movie version of Hardcore Logos, uh, Who the Hell Do You Think You Are, which was written by Peter J. Moore and the band Swamp Baby. Uh, Peter J. Moore is a great Toronto producer who worked with bands like Teenage Head, Vile Tones. He's an acquaintance of mine, and I'm a big fan of his work. But uh, after that, you're going to hear us, the four actors, musicians performing a song written by Joe Keithley of DOA same uh, same title same name same lyrics by Michael Turner but very different music um, Joe doesn't uh, n uh, Joe saw the movie a long time ago uh, he didn't know he didn't refresh himself with the, the music from the movie he didn't listen to it again so he created his own music that's completely independent and we'll see how they and you guys are playing it and recording it too the actors that are acting are the actors that are playing it and actors that are actually on the seven inch yeah that's all part of the contract well that's why we had to have really extensive auditions i hired clinton caruse my good friend and an artistic associate of the company november theater uh we we i know that he's musical and he played guitar but i put him into band camp and i made him learn bass so that he could play the role of john and we had to hire a great drummer toby burner who's played in a lot of punk bands right related now. to jeff burner yeah exactly Terror of tiny town exactly so he's a musician drummer and actor and we hired telly james out of calgary who's a great guitarist in a few bands as well so we got and you forced skills. rachel to play accordion i forced her and i'm still forcing her i wanted to like be totally versatile you're thudding on the ground you're playing me <laughs> and you're doing accordion <laughs> and then michael steps up to the mic right after this take so two takes right here of what okay first take is hugh dylan singing swamp baby playing this is hardcore logo from the movie after that you'll hear our version hardcore logo live doing Who the Hell You Think You Are, written by Joe Keith. And if you want to hear it live tonight, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. We've cleared the phone lines right now. If you want to go tonight to go see Hardcore Logo, the play at the rickshaw, and tons of music, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. <laughs> Who the hell you think you are? Taking that hunk to a 
You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and... 
and the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show with Hardcore Logo Live. No, this is not an encore presentation of the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show from 1995. This is 2011. What is going on here, Michael Scholar and Rachel? What did happen? Well, we, we just listened to two versions of Who the Hell You Think You Are. One originally from the movie written by Peter J. Moore and Swamp Baby uh, with Hugh Dillon singing. And then we heard our version from the play uh, performed by me and Clinton and Telly and uh, Toby, written by Joe Keithley. And uh, what do you think, Nardwar? Which one well, do you, you like you are better? so thorough. You are so <laughs> thorough. Michael is so thorough, as I keep saying to you, Rachel. That what did Michael make me do there? He made you play the, the record versus the downloaded version. Yes, I would. He's a record <laughs> junkie. Yeah, that's why I like the authentic. Like you, you were so authentic on everything in this production, aren't well, thanks, you, Michael? Ma- I appreciate that. Like, you really have. from you that means a lot to me. Because really you've do. got a lot of experts involved. What did the experts tell you not to do? Like, if you didn't have the experts, what would have you done? Um, I don't know. I, I, I think Joe helped me with my moves on stage. He helped me with my vocal attack. And I, 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 I was really influenced by all of the, the good people who fed into me. Bev gave me some good notes on the script. Uh, you gave me some good notes on the script, especially the scenes about you. That was very, very helpful. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I'm just a sponge. I absorb all of that research, and I take it in. And I process what makes sense to me, and I put it in there, and uh, I'm I'm, I'm glad that it seems authentic to you because uh, that was one of the major goals. Not so much to reclaim it, but to put uh, the Vancouver music and the Vancouver sound into this band and to uh, make make it really seem like a, a local Vancouver uh, experience. It is, it is a gig, and congratulations to the caller that won. Congratulations, caller. When you go down tomorrow night, you're going to be going tomorrow on Saturday. It's happening tonight. You will walk in there, and you will see a band playing. You will see hardcore local playing. It's like an actual gig, which makes me think, why do you have chairs set up? Well, because <laughs> it's a two-hour show, and you know the music only takes up... Ooh, but you know, like when you go see some band at the Orpheum, and then everybody stands up anyways, even though there's chairs... Right, you know, behind Would them you on their butts. Stand for 65 but minutes? I think it might have been an interesting dynamic because there's so much music in it. How much do you want people to participate, Rachel? Because you're dancing a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 an interesting balance. I mean, we really want people to be participating a lot, a lot more than typical Because there is room for a slam pit. There do you is. want yeah, people yeah, yeah. to dance? We have do. you thought about that, that, that cool. at all? That would be we've cool. We've had it a couple times in Edmonton because we've we ran the show in November, December, and uh, we had a few people moshing off to the side. We've never had anyone really come up to the front. Because there's total room for that exactly. to happen. Yeah. So there is room for the standers who want to come up, but they, but people aren't taking that initiative yet on their own. Canadians are too polite and they sit down. And even last night, when I came down into the audience to accost an audience member, and there I saw Nardwar the human I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> the reason being is I didn't understand if it was real or if it was a Memorex. Like, for you put the right, mic right to me, and I was going to go do 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 and I thought, I can't interrupt the play here. I was shoving the microphone in your face going, sing along. But I didn't understand. I thought if I said something, it would be ruining it because it's an actual play. And that's what I was wondering, Rachel. (laughs) Like, you're out there doing all this stuff. What happens if people come up to you and start talking to you? Has that happened at all? Because it's so interactive. And they want to come up on stage or something like that. Have you had that? 
that. Because it is so interactive. I, nobody's wanted to come up on stage yet, but there have been a lot of uh, comments thrown up. And sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's a little distracting. What if they said? Well, last night, uh, I couldn't hear what they said. Could you hear what they said? Someone was swearing at me and Billy during that last scene. And, uh, Were you throwing stuff? There was stuff getting thrown on I stage. Th I threw two beer cans, but all the other beer cans that got thrown up on the stage last night were audience members, which yeah. is cool. Empty beer cans, that's cool. What other stuff have people said to you, though? Oh, uh, well, in, in in Edmonton, we got some people yelling, you know, obscenities. And, and I'm okay with that as long as it's feeding into the show, yeah. as long as they're reacting to what's happening. Uh, th there, we had a, one Sunday matinee in Edmonton where these two drunk guys came, and one guy was totally tanked and loving it from the beginning and screaming at us, and it was perfect. But his buddy was so out of it. He was, like, on his cell phone and talking. He didn't know where he was. So the people that are distracted and drunk, they, they can get the hell out. People that are having fun and feeding into it, they can stay. You know, we, we may or may not react depending on the appropriate moment. Like, if it's at a gig and I can see them, great. But if we're supposed to have this private moment, you know, in the van or something. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky yeah. balance, right? I mean, there's times when you kind of want people to be a theater audience and pay attention. There's times when you want them to be yelling and yelling and participating it's a tricky balance because what is it like it's like that Romy and Michelle get married or whatever the hell that thing oh, the Rosemary's yeah. baby oh, what is that Tony and Tina wet, yeah it's like raped. it's yeah. like that except it's like a punk rock version like you're totally part of it that's yeah. what I love about the actual that's thing cool. that's happening there and you've ruined as I said so many gigs future gigs in Vancouver <laughs> you've ruined because people are going to go to the rickshaw and they're going to see a band because it's just like seeing a band and then they're going to want all this extra stuff and it's not going to be there thank you for ruining Ruining gigs in Vancouver. <laughs> but you know what? I think the evaporators have set the bar. And you give some great theatrics at your show. I've been underneath your keyboard as you stage dove on top of it. So there are <laughs> other bands that are giving us a good show on top of the rock. Well, you have all that dialogue. How much of the dialogue is memorized, Rachel? What? All of it. <laughs> all of it. So what are the tips on memorization? Because uh, that's a lot. How, do how long does it take to memorize all that stuff? I was told by Questlove that Jay-Z needs 18 times to memorize something. Mm. So he goes over a song 18 times and then he gets it. How long did it take you to get everything? Mm, I don't know. I think I probably had my lines memorized in about a week. Well, the, the French word for rehearsal is répétition. Repetition. So if you repeat something long Just enough... Just the way you said that was such anger. Man, it must be tough being rehearsing with you. <laughs> I'm a jerk in the hall. I'm a total fascist. Um, but it, it's... You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta rehearse it. Uh, we rehearsed the show for three weeks before we mounted in Edmonton. So when you do something for that long, you, you learn it. It's, uh, it's like even learning a song. I mean, you go out there and you sing an hour worth of music every night when you when the evaporators play, and you probably got another... But a lot of our songs and the songs I've done are like, come on and hump the dog, come on and hump the dog. It's just repeat yeah. the same yeah, thing. Yeah, but you got to know when to say, come on and hump that dog and Why come on and say hump right? my dog. And yeah. <laughs> uh, but how much, though, for memorization? Any tips for memorization? Like and and why so long for the movie and the, the play exactly? Like I guess what I mean by saying is, if it was a really punk rock play, wouldn't it be like sixteen minutes, like the dwarves? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you have to do a certain length to get funding? No, <laughs> but the stories take so long to tell, and this story is a really important story and a great story about these guys going across Western Canada. And again, the story is called Hardcore Logo Live, which is a play version of the movie Hardcore Logo, and which originally book. was the book by Michael Turner yeah. as play. 
playing for the next couple weeks at the rickshaw in Vancouver, British Columbia, yep. Canada. We close February 6th at part of the Push Festival. And uh, when you're traveling across Western Canada, there's, it takes a long time to get to Regina, to get to Winnipeg, to get back to Saskatoon. So, you know, if we've condensed in a whole week's uh, reunion tour into two hours, that's actually pretty, pretty short. And if you go see a punk show, uh, you'll probably have a two-hour show or you'll feel, feel ripped off. Well, right? how about the similarities with the movie Hardcore Logo? Like, you know, oftentimes they do that thing with Pink Floyd, where Pink Floyd is playing, and then they also play The Wizard of Oz. The you Wizard know, they sync Oz, up yeah. The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. What would happen if you put Hardcore Logo the play right up against Hardcore Logo the movie? Would the dialogue be perfect? I think if you took acid, it might be a fun trip. Is there any kind of overlap <laughs> no, at all? We've never, we, well, the movie was one of the source materials I pulled from and uh, was an inspiration for, for, for the, the script. Do any of the lines match up at all? Some of them do, yeah. I, 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 I cut and paste a lot from the script, uh, the movie script and from the book, and I wrote some connective tissue and I adapted some things that worked better for the stage, but there's uh, yeah, there are some scenes that are almost directly uh, from the movie, but we play them differently because we're different actors and we're different people and it's a different time and it's a different moment, the same way that if you saw a different take of Hugh Dillon and Keith Callum Rennie doing that scene that's on the cutting room floor somewhere, it wouldn't be the identical as what you saw in the finished product. Do you ever get hungry when you're doing the play at all, Rachel? <laughs> No, but I do have to take frequent pee breaks. Because I did notice it looks like you're eating. Are you eating pancakes? Like, yes. don't, don't you, you yeah. actually, because I would think you need some energy yeah. because it is very physical, Hardcore Logo. You were saying, you know, like, oh, it's just like a real gig, but it's more than a gig because not only are you spewing all this stuff, like you're jumping around, you're really giving or all yeah. sort of stuff. I'm exhausted by the end of the night. It's, it's, it's so more, is that real food? It, well, and yes. how much mustard is used when there's mustard squirted out? I, I, I actually, Fair I'm not enough. on stage when Toby uses the mustard, but uh, it's a fair amount. He used yeah. to put actual ketchup on Telly's uh, lip, and I'm not sure whether they do that anymore because the ketchup was getting everywhere. Uh, but I eat the pancake. I I eat the pancake because I need to. The character is sitting there loving the pancakes, and it would look fake if I was just like miming the pancakes. So I, yeah, eating a real pancake that Clinton Carew, our bass player, makes every night. He makes a celiac-friendly pancakes because he's a celiac, so there's no gluten in these pancakes. They're very <laughs> moist and tasty. Again, it's really real. I love it that you're actually eating. Now, Rachel, does Michael fuck a guitar in the movie? Uh, yeah, you do. Is your Not in the movie. In the play, in the, play. Uh, in the acid trip, that's uh, right. That's when you go and you, you fuck the guitar off. I, I eat it out first, though. Oh, nice. Charming. Yeah. And it's yeah. hard to <laughs> fuck a guitar, yeah. no, isn't that's, it? No, that's nice. It's hard that's to nice. polite. Because it takes a lot of flexibility. I noticed, do you know, do you, are you into ballet and all that sort of stuff? Because what about you, Michael? Did you? Because it's a lot of physical, like bending and all that. Well, I, I, uh, uh, Rachel and I both uh, studied at the same school, actually, University of Alberta, the, the BFA program there. It's a very intense acting program that teaches you movement and dance and uh, I've always considered myself a physical performer but I'm not a dancer per se so when we did Black Rider there was some really stylized physical stuff that we created with our director and this time again any chance I can to tell the story physically which is something you can't do in film so much uh, we take that opportunity whether it's uh, fucking a guitar or uh, doing a slow-mo walk across the back that's uh, imitating a slow motion scene in the movie and there's some filth too isn't there Oh, yeah, definitely. What are some of your Although, favorite filthy lines in the play? Uh, Sorry I keep referencing the movie. I still can't believe uh, Hardcore Logo, live. Yeah. 
Uh, one of the, actually, one of the lines that got cut, actually, one of your Michael's lines. What was your favorite? It was, it was, it was, it just was so shocking for me. It was, uh, what was it? Quit with the homophobic crap or else go fuck you till you pop in blood. Yeah, okay, yeah. There, we had this great f- <laughs> fucking sequence that I loved. I loved, and it was a total nerd moment. If you want to know about punk trivia, it's something I learned from Joe's book. Uh, uh, Husker Du evidently showed up at a gig, uh, and the poster said, instead of saying Husker Du, it said, "Who screwed you?" And 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 so um, uh, there was this bit that um, my script doctor and my director thought was too punk nerdy to leave in the script, where uh, the pipe fitter comes back from beating up that hippie, and, and he and and John goes, "You can't go around hurting hippies." Well, he called his hard key Largo, and then the, John, the bass player, goes, "Well, uh, uh, what about when Husker Du showed up for that concert and the poster said, who screwed you? Bob Mould didn't punch out the promoter.'" And then pipe fitter says, "Bob Mould's a fag." And then I said, "Hey, shut the hell up with that." homophobic crap or I'll skull fuck you to your coffin blood. Yeah, That, that whole nasty. section got cut because they thought it was too nerdy for uh, uh, theater audiences. And nasty. I loved it. But maybe for the so. DVD extras. So maybe you will film this. Are you filming this at all, at least for records, so I can actually see it one day years from now? Well, no. I mean, it's actually quite expensive and, 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 and not, it doesn't actually translate well to film to shoot uh, theater. Well, that if way. I bring my handy cam in, I'll be able to capture <laughs> yeah, it. We'll stop you at the door if you do. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but what we are going to be shooting is uh, an archival video for archival purposes for ourselves so that we can see how we staged it this time and if we remount it again we can refer to that we also uh, are probably going to cut a, a 30 minute promo video out of it so we can sell it to folks to show them the highlights of, th- of the thing but theater really doesn't translate to, to film you really got to do location shoots and make it look uh, uh, really sexy and, and, and film specific your tongue is on my ass Oh, that's a good one. No, no. Your, your tongue, tongue in, in my ass. ass. That's a line, or that's a filthy line that I added that wasn't in the movie. A filthy line from Hardcore Logo Live, the play, happening tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yes. Tomorrow, yes. a whole bunch of days except so, Monday night. Every night till February And it's 6th. a play, and it's also music as well. And we're here on the Nardward Human Serviette radio show on CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with two of the actors, Rachel and Michael Scholar Jr., musical background of the actual actors that are in here. Your background, Rachel, what is it? I noticed some of the other actors were into Shakespeare. This is kind of weird, like Shakespeare and punk rock. Yeah, yeah. Then my last gig was playing Rosalind and As You Like It in the Citadel Theatre back in Edmonton. And aren't some of the other actors also Shakespearean actors? Uh, well, Michael's done Shakespeare yeah, done for Barton sure. Each year and some of the other actors too, which makes sense because everybody always makes that comparison of Johnny Rotten, you know, and all the Shakespeare and all the theater stage type stuff that he's into. Well, I mean, first and foremost, this is a, a play with music, so uh, you know, we we didn't hire. Uh, punkers that could uh, you know, possibly be charming. We hired actors that uh, play music, and um, Toby Berner's a huge punk fan, and Telly's played in punk. Bands. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. What did you learn about punk through the additions that you had with people? Like, what did you learn that people thought punk was? Because you had additions, so people would come in yeah. and they'd be like, "Oh, auditioning for a punk." What did they think punk was? What did you learn that people think is punk? Well, we had this one idiot show up, and uh, Joe said to him. Uh, hey, aren't you going to tune your guitar before we start? And the guy said, nah, it's punk rock. You don't need to. So Joe wrote on his paper immediately, no, we will not hire this guy. Because there's a common misconception that punk players don't know how to play, that they're not skilled musicians, that they don't care about tuning or anything like that. Um, So we learned 
I learned that other people's perception of punk is different than mine. Winding up here with Hardcore Logo Live, the play that's happening tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the rickshaw, actually has a brief appearance by Rachel as Nardwar, the human serviette, and I loved it as Rachel was getting kicked out as Nardwar, the human serviette. Could you explain what was happening there again? Rachel was getting kicked out. She was getting, well, the first time we, um, a, a pipe fitter scares uh, Nardwar, Nardwar falls over, twists his ankle, and that's the only reason the infamous uh, reporter would ever stop his interview is because he accidentally twisted his ankle or something so uh, then he leaves once and then the second time he comes back after his ankles healed a little bit he comes back and uh nardwar is uh, uh interrupting the celebrations and perhaps joe's a little jealous that he's not being interviewed so joe starts to shove nardwar out as he's asking lots of questions and i loved a little in gag that happened last night when you're like kicking rachel out who is playing me nardwar oh, yeah. really, and you're looking at rachel and you're looking at me in the audience <laughs> that was excellent that was what other sort of in gags are in there like for instance are you actually wearing an original hardcore logo t-shirt while playing hardcore logo the play we made those t-shirts for the show so it, it's it's a it's a logo that was actually designed by david lester inspired by the book i thought it might have been original hardcore logo merchandise was there any hardcore logo merchandise we, the first time no i'm not sure there actually was any merchandise um promo t-shirt i don't think i don't i think they made some for the crew uh, and in fact last night uh, danny novak from uh the the cinematographer from hardcore logo gave me an amazing gift uh bruce mcdonald gave him this gift once they wrapped uh, the post-production on the movie, it's this, it's a black t-shirt with a red handprint on it, and underneath it, it says, I shot Joe Dick. And he gave it to me. It's this great artifact. So that might be the only artifact uh, t-shirt from the time, but um, uh, the t-shirts I'm wearing in the show uh, are great costume designer, Sheena Haig, designed for uh, for me, but we also sell uh, t-shirts Where did you get Bucky's jacket? Do you know where Bucky's jacket came from? Because you're uh, playing Bucky Hate in this movie production probably value village i imagine i think sheena might have built it actually did she uh, sheena, no it smells funny but it, it smells bad she might have found some of it and built onto <laughs> it right i really like it how many characters do you play totally rachel i think nine i've lost count is that the most you've ever played in one particular yes in one play yes do you ever get confused which character you're playing? i have a list backstage so i can remember what's next but have you almost got mixed up though no, like no. Like, broke into the wrong character? Thank God, no. Like, nine different people. That's quite a No, bit. I just consult the, the Bible backstage. Otherwise, I'd be screwed. And as I mentioned, all these kind of allusions to, like, the Furies or the dish rags. At the very end, John from Hardcore Logo is wearing a white jumpsuit. A yes. white jumpsuit. Yeah. Is that a homage to the McCrackens, a band from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, always wear jumpsuits? I thought actually, maybe. Actually, that's a completely accidental. Some people think it's Devo as well. But uh, um, I just, uh, what I wrote in the script was that he started to play around with uh, duality and he was painting himself white and he was kind of looking like a white party burning man refugee and Sheena the the designer decided to run with that and just said well let's put him in a white painter's outfit and it's easy to put on and then after a few days she splattered it with blood because uh, she thought that would be cool. I don't want to give away the ending, but uh, it, it works. It works with uh, the, the finale. I haven't done acid in a week. I can't believe I killed a goat. There's nothing like a good old acid freakout, is yeah. there, Michael and Rachel? Well, I think the acid freakout in the movie is like one of the greatest uh, drug-induced moments in cinema. And winding up here, lastly, let's just hear a little clip of that acid freakout that what? you're helping out with as Bucky hate there, Rachel. Well, Can just... you recreate some of that or to build up to that? Some of the lines from that? 
Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, From okay. Hardcore Logo Live happening tonight at the rickshaw. And this is Rachel as Bucky Hate. Anyway, there I was in NYC, happy as a gnat in shit. A ton of bucks in my pocket with no place to live. No friends to call up and no idea I was going to make my album. I leased a warehouse space just off the Hudson River. Rented a 16-channel board, 10 mics, a tape deck, and checked out the local clubs for some decent musicians. Yeah, the punk rock guys were absolute shits. So I had this notion to hire me some jazz guys. Nice, nice. I, I think the acid freakout. You can never get enough of an acid freakout. Well, that's that's the kind of preamble to the freakout. And then the, the, during the freakout, there's a lot of insanity that... Uh, so thorough, so thorough. Punk rock, acid, and the thoroughness goes always to the satellite thing. What is the satellite thing you're doing? You have all these extra events going on. Yeah, so we, we have the play happening at the rickshaw. Yeah, and we kind of have all these little satellite events around it. So we kind of have our own mini festival inside of the festival. Uh, Today we did a creator's talk back, a creator's chat with Noel Baker, the screenwriter, myself and Joe at the fire hall. Um, every night at the show, uh, Bev's artwork is hanging in the lobby that people can come and see. Vintage punk pics. Vintage, Amazing. Vintage punk pics that are just awesome. gorgeous. And you can buy... Yeah, you can buy them, and Bev's going to be there. And you even got a museum to do something. This is pretty incredible. You got the government to pay for an artwork, a human serviette (laughs) character, and you got the museum to put up some punk posters. Well, there's an incredible special collection at SFU. Uh, Eric Swaniak uh, has been buying old Vancouver punk posters and memorabilia and records for the last few years. That bastard has been buying up all the posters before I can get them and put them on my wall. And he's got an amazing collection that has been digitized and put online. But it hasn't been really available for the public to see. And I said, look, it's great that you're collecting this stuff, but you've got to show it to people. So, um, so we hooked them up with the Vancouver Museum, uh, the Museum of Vancouver, as it's called. Uh, the Museum of Vancouver is displaying some of these posters uh, in conjunction with the show. They're running, uh, that, that museum will be hosting it free. So anytime during museum hours until uh, February 26th, you can go see these vintage punk posters in conjunction with the show. We also have Joe Keithley doing an acoustic set after the show at the rickshaw tomorrow night so your your guest who won or your lucky winner he's gonna not only see hardcore logo live but if he sticks around for a half hour afterwards he'll see joe keithley do a rare acoustic set and next friday friday february 4th mecca normal will be doing a rare set as well a 30 minute set uh rocking out on our stage at the rickshaw so those who come to see the show that night or anyone who brings a ticket stub from our show can come see it or they can come down and just pay five bucks to to see mecca normal rock out and rachel what is michael reading that from what is he reading that from uh, that's our program from hardcore logo live and it's not know. only a program it's like a fanzine isn't it yeah <laughs> more over the top this you got the seven inch you got the fanzine you got the museum exhibit and the seven inch we sell them at the show 10 bucks and they're sold at record shops around town too so i i was tr- you know carrying the the the, the, the record shop to shop like a diy old punker hand numbered me and my wife and clinton the, one of the actors in the show we we, we shoved the download codes in there we folded them these are very diy authentic uh, uh seven inches one side is doa doing a track from the show and one side is us uh performing one of joe's songs from the show so you want to get it right you want to get a perfect even have chris crud on board legendary oh, yeah. roadie chris crud yeah. is there yeah rachel he's amazing 
yeah. looking exactly the same way as he's always looked. I put it in his contract that he had to wear orange uh, during during the show, and he comes on stage so we can see him in his orange. So we're going to end shortly here with a new song by Joe Shithead and DOA, or it's just DOA, it isn't is it? It is DOA performing Blue. it, but, Dio, uh, but Joe, of course, wrote it, and DOA performs one of the songs from the show, Blue Tattoo, and it's a, it's a bit of a departure for them. It's kind of this ballad. It's a, an emotional pretty And Joe was pretty stoked songs. with a lot of the songs that he wrote. Like, again, he took Michael Turner's lyrics that yeah. already had music with it and created new music, yeah. but I heard he was so stoked that some of the tunes might end up on his new album. He was saying, like, he might use three songs on his new album. Yeah, we're, we're, what we're actually thinking of doing is either releasing uh, a, re a recording of DOA doing all the songs or a double album with DOA doing the songs and then us doing the songs live as a double thing. We also have the demos that Joe recorded with uh, DOA's uh, old drummer that sound great. And What was know, the first song that you did after the intermission. Yes, there's an intermission in Hardcore Logo. Uh, the first song we did after the intermission is a, a the song acoustic called one. Uh, The Big Bush Party After School. And that's is that new or was that in the movie too? That That's not in the movie, but it's the lyrics are in the book. Uh, but there is a draft of the movie script that has it in the movie. And uh, Did Joe do the music for that one? Yeah, Joe did the music. That's a great Joe tune. I love That's probably my favorite Joe tune. Joe did the music for every single song you hear, uh, except for the grand finale. What was the reaction but last week here from Hugh Dillon? Did you meet Hugh Dillon at all? No. Did you meet the other guy, Bruce McDonald, the legendary yes, Bruce McDonald? Yes, we met Bruce What McDonald. was his reaction? What did he, he think, He really Rachel? liked it. He was fantastic. He was very generous. He was very kind. Because he was the director of Hardcore yeah. Logo 1. Yeah, he was awesome. He came to our show in, in Edmonton. Did he give you any pointers or anything like that? No, he was just darn sweet. He was fantastic, super supportive. Is he, he doing Hardcore Logo 2? Yeah, 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 it's already premiered, actually, at the Whistler Film Festival. It was premiering in Whistler when we were doing the show in Edmonton, so we couldn't see it. But uh, I hear it's really cool, and I look forward to seeing it. Do you think you'll be able to be in Hardcore Logo 3? You know, take your version for Hardcore <laughs> Logo 3. No, see, I was... Like, me and Bruce have been in communication for years now while he was developing Hardcore Logo 2. He even sent me the script, and I gave him a little feedback, and we've been talking, but he never gave me a freaking role in the movie. I thought, like, I'd get to play a little something. <laughs> nothing. I didn't get a walk on nothing. Are you going to take this anywhere else? Like maybe Toronto, a Toronto run, an L.A. run? Well, we hope to tour it, but uh, it's a, right now uh, we're at the Push Festival where a lot of uh, great uh, presenters and producers from what around the world. What about taking it to Broadway, Rachel? Like, doesn't Green Day have some sort of rock opera? I saw yeah. that show. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the, the broad, the, like, have you thought about contacting the Green Day people and just saying, can we open for Actually, you? Actually, I've been contacting. You know, you know who owns the rights for the Green Day show? Tom Hulse, the actor who played Amadeus from the, the movie Amadeus. So I've been emailing Tom Hulse because I want to do a production of, of the Green Day show here, uh, American Idiot. In fact, I wanted to adapt it for the stage. How does it differ than Hardcore Logo? Uh, well, the actors... Is there spoken stuff or is it all singing, the entire thing? No, there, there's... Yeah, if I recall, there's spoken stuff. Uh, you know, it, it, I saw it in San Fran. Me and my, my good friend Robert Maloney flew down, flew down for the premiere. And uh, the... One of the big differences is that the, the actors don't play the music in the show. There's a band behind them, and they the actors, in really like musical theater, are are singing their thoughts. Um, you know. The, the but in Hardcore Logo Live, happening in Vancouver, British yeah. Columbia, Canada, for the next week or so, or yeah. week and a half, it is actual band members playing the actual tunes and yeah. doing the actual dialogue. Right, Rachel? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Even Rachel sings. She does uh, two songs. I, I was really impressed. I thought that was incredible. The accordion action happening there. That was great. <laughs> That's a secret. That's the end. How about No Logo? 
you know, no logo. Boy, it's funny that you should mention that, because before I started on Hardcore Logo, me and Clinton, who's also on the show, we were working on an adaptation of no logo, I, and I contacted Naomi Klein, and she gave me the rights, or she, actually, she didn't give me the rights, I shouldn't say that. She said, you have my permission to adapt it for the stage, and once you're done writing the script, you send it to me, and if I like it, I'll, I'll let it, you call it no logo. If I don't like it, you can call it something else. And, uh, um, and Clinton, a little trickster bastard that he is, uh, he got... Uh, he got some money from Brad Moss and Theater Network to start the adaptation. Uh, and I'm not sure whether he ever wrote anything, uh, but I did get Naomi Klein to say we could go ahead and do it. And uh, Brad is, was, asked me, I guess it was a year or so ago, hey, so what'd you guys do with that money? And, I, and have, you, have you got a script for me? I'm like, I don't, I didn't see any money. And I don't, I, 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 I'm, I think we, uh, someday Clinton and I will climb that hill together. But right now we're climbing the hardcore logo hill. And then after that, it'll be a no logo hill. And lastly here, please tell people everything happening again. All the stuff. It's so amazing. Okay. Well, and the posters are incredible. Like you. when you go and you sit in the audience just looking at the posters. Like I said, if you're totally bored or whatever, <laughs> you can look at the posters. But you don't have to feel bad if you're bored because the actors are bored too and they get to we look at the posters not. too <laughs> no but i mean if you want to kill some time right no, rachel you can look over it's so and compelling you won't need to kill time no but i mean though as an actor i feel good going to somewhere knowing that you know like when you go somewhere you feel happy that people are safe yeah. i feel happy that the actors are sitting on stage you know when they're pretending to sleeping they could like have their eyes open and be looking at punk posters because <laughs> well, the stage is the most incredible punk poster collection anybody will see it really is yeah, it is a, just it's, incredible it's and also geared towards cool stuff too. Totally obscure and a bit of mainstreamy stuff, but hardly anything. I, the most mainstreamy thing I saw was like a snow jam thing that oh, was yeah. happening in the McEwen Ballroom in Calgary. So there was yeah. a bit of Edmonton a, stuff a, I noticed. There's a in motor, there. po Motorhead poster in there too, and there's some Cub posters. So there's a there's a mix of stuff, but there's some real old school. But maybe go over stuff. if you could. Lastly, here okay. tonight. Tonight, Hardcore Logo Live is, of course, playing at the rickshaw, and uh, Joe Keithley's doing a rare acoustic set tomorrow night, Saturday night, the January, January 29th, after the show. Free for anyone who's got a ticket stub uh, uh, from the show, or five bucks at the door. Uh, we did a creator's chat today, so that's too late, can't come to that. Uh, Bev Davies' photographic show is happening in the lobby every night with the show. Mecha Normal's playing next Friday night, February 4th, after the gig, uh, after Hardcore Logo Live, and the show Post No Bills, selections from the Vancouver Punk uh, poster collection uh, that are from the SFU special collection will be showing at the Museum of Vancouver free during museum hours till February 26th. And Nardward Human Serviette actually is in the play. Who did I replace? Did I replace Terry David Mulligan? Like, no, who did actually, I replace? Well, Terry David Mulligan actually played the booker in the in the movie, so it, it was uh, a combination of things. Um, uh, there's uh, Bruce Mc you kind of replaced Bruce McDonald in a way because Bruce McDonald was asking some of the kind of questions you were asking, but of course now we phrased it so that you would ask it. Um, and uh, what did Turner or Baker think about that? About me being inserted in there? And, and actually, none of them have really said anything. Uh, well, no, that's not true. Actually, Noel, when Noel read it, Noel said it was smart. He said it was uh, that's a good way of sinking it in Vancouver. Because the last time yeah. I did an interview with Noel as Baker he, in the 1990s, I think he stormed out of CITR, even though he was the former music director, yeah. and then complained to his book publisher that the interview didn't go that well. I don't mind if somebody doesn't like the interview, but to complain afterwards to the book publisher was kind of weird. Why don't he just tell me that on air? What happened? So I thought it was kind of funny what did you that just say? nothing. I just continued on like I am Nardwar to Human Serviette on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. So I thought it was kind of weird that all these years later he's having to see me on stage. <laughs> 
thank you so much for fulfilling that fantasy. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Rachel? Uh, no, I just, uh, yes, yeah, come see the show. It's really awesome. You'll have lots of fun. And keep on, oh, yeah, keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do 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 <laughs>
KITR 101.9 FM and Timber are proud to present Sebado featuring Quasi, February 11th at the Rickshaw. Founded by legendary Dinosaur Jr. bassist Lou Barlow and touring in support of the reissue of their classic album Bake Sale, Sebado are true pioneers in the world of lo-fi indie rock. This is a licensed, all-ages show with advanced tickets available at Red Cat, Zulu, High Life, TicketWeb.ca, and in Victoria at Ditch Records. Showtime is 9.30. Don't miss Sebado with Quasi, February 11th at the Rickshaw, proudly presented by Timber and CITR 101.9 FM. Yeah, sir. 